Quick disclaimer to kick things off today, we are not psychiatrists, but we are damn sure going to pretend to be on today's episode. So lie down on that proverbial couch and get cozy with your control issues. Today we're going to talk about feelings. Maintaining a work-life balance keeps getting harder, but it doesn't have to. This is The Big Balance, a podcast for anyone struggling to stay ahead or even just keep up with work, life, and everything in between. Join us each week for practical advice you can actually apply to get a little sanity back in your day. Hello and welcome back to the show. This is Brian and I'm joined by Andy today. No John, but I do want to give John a shout out for his band Petrol. Mentioned this in the last episode. The first single off their new album Cheap Hotel is out now. It's called Bloodbath and you can find a link to it in the show notes. So there you go, John. Bloodbath is that sounds like death metal. You know, I and I was actually going to say something about it's, it's not. It's uh were you a fan of Modest Mouse at all? Sort of. Yeah, it, it's it's a very Modest Mouse meets punk kind of sound. Yeah, well, you know, I actually saw Modest Mouse years ago. I think it was summer of 07. They were opening for REM. Oh, really? And I wasn't a huge Yeah, and you know, I was never a huge REM fan. I mean, they put on a hell of a show. Well, good that we're talking about music again. Always got to tell it's a music show, so got to talk about that. You know what? And I don't mean to go off on a tangent about music, Brian. We are two it, minutes in. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Let's just call it. We lead busy, fast-paced lives. It's practically baked into the way that our companies operate. But I don't think people are naturally built this way, and that's the problem. I'm not surprised that so many people claim to feel overwhelmed by what we collectively have going on. And I know I'm not the only one who feels like sometimes I'm just getting slipped along by life's current. There are days when the only goal is just trying to keep our collective heads above water. So how do we respond? One way is to fight back against the forces that control our lives by seeking to control them in turn. Doing so helps us ward off anxiety by letting us say, yes, I got this. But sometimes, this need for control moves from being a solution to becoming a problem in and of itself. Today, we're going to talk about how to get back in control of our lives a bit, but we're also going to stop and reflect on how doing so blindly can also be a bad thing and what we can do about it. So we did an episode back in late August of 21 called The Myth of Multitasking. Spoiler alert, concept of successfully multitasking is a myth. And if that comes as news to you, go back and listen to that episode. But I think it's important for today's discussion as well, because when we have a lot of stuff going on between our jobs, our personal responsibilities, the more stuff we're trying to juggle, the less we're going to be able to manage it effectively. And the more we juggle, the more things get dropped and the more anxious we get about losing control. What do we do? We fight to get some of that control back, and that can be a good thing, but it can also be potentially a bad thing when we're so hyper-focused on being in complete control that we let it harm our way of thinking. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But first, the reason Andy's here, he has a perfect example of what I'm talking about. So Andy, take it away. 
Recently, my family went through a battle of the old COVID. After, you know, two years of being safe, everybody being vaccinated. Hold on, my mic's slipping. And for posterity, we are in the midst of Omicron season. If anybody's listening to this in the distant future, and I, I think everybody I know has gotten sick with the Omicron variant personally. So kind of widespread in Pennsylvania right now. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, we had been we had been good for all this time. Over Christmas, my uh, brother and sister-in-law were over the house and they were carriers, unbeknownst to them. And then we got hit Tuesday. So we're looking at two weeks uh, to the day that I actually tested positive. Uh, It hasn't been a great two weeks here. You know, thankfully we're all okay, but it's not a virus that you want to get. Um, you know, thank God I, I've been vaccinated and boosted. But if this was a happy story, we wouldn't be talking about it here. Yeah, right. We, exactly. So what exactly makes this a story for today? Because you know what really pissed me off? The fact that you had COVID and you got over it in three days. So for anybody not familiar with Andy or the show, Andy is a physically fit individual and he eats quite well. As opposed to myself, don't necessarily eat great, do not nearly exercise as much as I should. I also got COVID somewhat recently as well, and compared to Andy's 10 days, I had it for maybe three. A good friend would be happy that I was healthy after just three days, but Andy, dot, 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 was not very happy because I was competing with you. <laughs> so I remember when I first when I first woke up with symptoms, I'm like, oh, okay, so I have it. Brian had it for three days. I'll be fine within three days, and I wasn't. And it really, really bothered me because I had no control over it. Not having the control uh, that I'm usually used to having, I guess, when it comes to physical fitness and some other things. And it freaked me out. It was one, you know, it's a situation where you kind of have to let things ride out. And I don't like to let things ride out. Now, I do take exception to you saying that I wasn't a real friend because when you were going through your virus, I was calling and texting you, seeing how you were feeling. (laughs) You were. Okay, fair point. I I got at least one or two calls a day uh, asking about my welfare, and I appreciate that. Yeah, so, but I I was just, you know, really kind of surprised and um, just, it's weird. It hits everybody differently. This is where the armchair psychology of today's episode really comes into play. And, you know, we are not psychologists, but it's fun to talk about, fun to think about. Here you have Andy, who you've spent your life being in physically great shape, eating really well. And you thought you had this great control over, at at the very least, your own health. Here I come getting sick for less time than you. And it, it kind of threw you for a loop that, man... Maybe I don't have the control I thought I did, and that that didn't feel good. Correct. Yeah, that's 100% spot on. So that's something that a lot of people can relate to. If we feel like we're losing control, what are we susceptible to, right? It's it's not just about this illness. Now it's you've built your life around this sense of control, and when you lose it, where are you? And I, I, I don't want to compare this to OCD, to put that out there. This is clearly we're, we're not medical professionals who have any right to talk about whether you have OCD or what to do about it or anything like that. That being said, I think a big thing there is when people have a, a compulsion, they do it because they feel maybe it's a very solid sense. Maybe it's somewhat generalized that if they don't do that thing, something bad will happen. 
and one of two things can happen. They don't do that thing and nothing bad happens, or despite doing that thing, something bad still manages to happen. And either way, it's kind of throwing your reality for a loop. And that's what you had happened to you here, right? That's exactly what I had happened to me. And I have a bit of a funny story for you too. So I have a deviated septum, like it's pretty bad. And that leads to like sinus problems and head congestion every once in a while. So I um, went to my ENT and he gave me uh, a steroid, a prednisone, just to reduce the inflammation, right? So I was on a certain dosage and I accidentally, uh, instead of four prednisone, I took four of my prescription allergy tablets. So I was already stressed out about being sick, right? And I, I found out later what, what I is, What does taking four allergy pills do? Oh my God. It makes like the muscle, like I was having like muscle twitches. <laughs> Dude, it was- You were on a Zyrtec bender for a few days. I was on, oh my God. And listen, I've never done, um, I've never done any- hard drugs but it was awful and then i put one and one together and i'm like oh this is why i felt like a speed freak for like two days (sighs) now (laughs) you're hey we digress yeah now you're not the only one with control issues i think it's fair for me to have mine out on my shoulder as well Mm -hmm. for my example i'm gonna go with this show just like me and you you know i talk to you daily uh, sometimes multiple times a day i talk to john pretty much daily too about the show There was a span for like a week and a half where we got in a bit of a tiff and it was just radio silence for like a week because I was being very controlling and he just had enough of me for a bit. And it wasn't even related to recording or production. It was about Twitter because we were trying to figure out the best way to use Twitter related to the show. And I had very strong opinions and ideas and I went a bit overboard. So John, sorry about that. If if you ever listen to this episode, you know, I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. This is your baby for all intents and purposes. This is your side. What do we call them now? Side hustles. Everything has a side hustle. I think you have to make money for it to be a side hustle. Well, but it's something that you do. It's an activity. So I, I think that, I don't think that's a bad thing. Well, you get frustrated with me too, related to the show. You can still get frustrated, but still respect your dedication to this show. I mean, it doesn't, you know, this is something that you started and this is something that you want to have go a certain way. Now there's a balance to strike. I mean, what the right balance is. A big balance? Yes, but I'm bummed. But I, um, I don't, I don't think that's something you should necessarily apologize for. You just explain yourself. Okay. All love and positivity. So signs of control issues, Andy, I think they're true of you and they're true of me as well. Obsessive thoughts. So something that gets stuck in your head and you can't stop thinking about it. Easy example here is when you go on a week long vacation and just two hours in start wondering, did I lock my front door? Think like that, but every day. Another would be hyper focusing on something easy yet trivial. I would compare this to the notion of polishing brass on the Titanic, right? There's a dozen critical things that I should be worrying about, but I choose to focus on something that's very small and mundane because I know I can control it. And for me at work, this would be if I have a really big challenging project that's due at the end of the week, but I fuddle with PowerPoint slide design. It doesn't really matter, but it's something I can say that I nailed and I kind of take refuge in that. And the third for me is kind of a sense of misdirected hostility. So I start snapping at people or getting really angry at them based on what's going on in my head. Meanwhile, they have no idea what's wrong and I just look like a jerk, right? So those are the three real big control issues that I always see in myself. I don't know if there's anything else that you see. In you? 
<laughs> you, you can go that way. I was, I was going to say you, but go ahead and no, unload on I, me. Uh, as far as my control issues are concerned, we hit on one earlier. I also, when my wife is gone, like if she goes away for a weekend and it's me and the kids, I actually really like it. I like being the one that does everything because I know everything's going to be done the way that it should be done. Whether it comes to bathing the kids, taking them out somewhere, getting them fed, everything, and you know, keeping the house clean. I don't mind shouldering all of that responsibility because it's my responsibility. I, I like having a very heavy hand. I don't know. It's, uh, it's something I could get better at. I mean, it's not a fatal flaw. Here's the issue I see with that. The more you try to control everything, the more you're isolating yourself. And that could be very bad for you depending on what you know hits your plate, right? I get where you're coming from that by you being in control of things, you make sure they're done exactly how you want. And I guess if you don't have more on your plate than you can handle, that's fine. But I feel like we're all rarely in that position. We all have a lot of things going on. It's the old adage that no man's an island. I work full time. My wife works full time. We have a very high energy toddler, have a house to take care of. We have our individual families. Um, you know, my father's not in great health right now. Uh, and there's a lot in my mind. I can't imagine handling all of that on my own, right? My wife is an integral part of making sure things stay on track because I need that that one person, but I need my community overall. Yeah, absolutely. I, it could be very bad for me. So far, so good. But it doesn't mean it'll, it doesn't mean it'll continue to be so far, so good. And when it comes to the aspect of work, I can't enjoy myself if I'm away with my family unless certain ducks are in a row. And I'll give you an example. The past few times we went away, uh, I was working on some major recruiting assignments. Now, I didn't spend an hour on the phone or jump on a, a, a two-hour conference call. I didn't do any of that. But I will text candidates. I'll call a candidate. Last time we went to Disney, I actually closed two candidates when I was uh, at the Animal Kingdom. And it was really like a five or ten minute conversation. But still, that, that's a control that I can't let go of. And if it takes ten minutes, if it takes ten minutes when I'm on vacation, I'd rather do that then land the plane at Philadelphia International and just say, oh my gosh, I have all this to do. And I haven't, you know, there, I didn't have any touch points with any candidates or anybody at work. So, I mean, maybe that could fall under the umbrella of control, but that's not, that's not something that I'm going to lose. That's not something that I, that, that's going to get better. I'm old enough now to know myself and I know that that iron grip, I'm just not going to let go of. Let's take a step back and kind of analyze what you said where, you know, I'm not spending time in meetings. I'm not putting a lot of hours towards this, but I'm spending some time. And like I said earlier, we think we're good at multitasking and you don't think that you're getting distracted from your family on these vacations doing this. But even if you don't recognize it, I can almost guarantee you are. There's some part of your brain that's preoccupied with work. That's the part that's not on your wife. It's not on your kids. It's not on, on your vacation that you need to get mentally whole yourself. And even if you think you're balancing it well, our brains aren't wired for that. Our brains are wired to do one thing at a time. So I would, I would question it if I were you about, about what impact it's actually having on your family when you're on vacation doing these things. Maybe, but I know my focus would be completely gone if I didn't take 10 minutes out of my day to take care of something. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but 
I'm still in the camp that if you didn't take that, if you fully divorced yourself from work, if you didn't take that little bit of time, again, no offense to us, the world won't stop turning because our little tiny company stops working for a minute. And our tiny little company, no offense to you, isn't going to stop working because Andy does. So in the grand scheme of things, how much of an impact does this have on your vacation? Maybe not much. But I can also guarantee you how much impact would not spending those few minutes here and there have. In the grand scheme, it's it's not a big thing. I, I would say we, we need to get better about divorcing our work from our lives, on especially in times like vacations. So what do you do? Do you completely divorce yourself from work when you're on vacation? 100% I do. If And it can take some planning. But no, I'm not answering emails. I'm not answering. I don't. I don't even have my work email on my phone, hmm. you know, and that was a big, people look at me like I'm crazy when I say that I don't, I have teams for chat, but I won't have that open on a vacation at all. No, it's work is work. Life is life. And again, I, I understand in the grand scheme of the world turning that my contributions to the company are important, but they're not huge. And our company's contributions to the world are not huge either. So I'm not worried about things falling apart in my absence for a week. No, I don't even like to turn my Outlook messages on saying I'm out of the office. Uh, I so, so we work with uh, a woman. She she was part of an acquisition not long ago, and maybe she still feels like she has to, to prove herself being here. But she had an away message that said, hey, I'm going to be gone for a long weekend. Here's myself. You need to get in contact with me. And it's like, no, no. You say, I'm going to be gone. Contact so-and-so in my absence. I'll get back to you when I'm back in the office. And leave it at that. I don't like the idea of saying, this is not my time. It's, it's really yours. I'm taking a vacation, but you still own my time. So feel free to call me whenever. I, I don't like that at all. Maybe it's the job that I have. You know, it's funny. You know, when you ask other recruiting directors or, or recruiters, they operate the same, successful ones operate the same way. They don't fully divorce themselves from the job ever. I think my position is one that it's got to be more than a job. That's why the turnover rate for recruiters is so high. I, I hate grind culture. I hate the idea of glorifying the grind, man. It's it's toxic. It's not healthy. But drink it in, man. No. It's one thing. Look, if you're an entrepreneur, it's your own company. It's your baby. I totally get it. But if you're a wage worker, right, you're you're just a guy in an office pushing paper for the big man up top. There's no hustle there. It's it's not grind culture for you. It's it doesn't make sense to me. Well, I don't get it. I don't I don't know. I guess we can go back and forth and talk about why it does make sense. Yeah, I don't know. It's like office space, right? It, and I, I we always go we always go to this movie on this show. It's office space in the sense that you bust your butt and then you get laid off anyway for what? So Lumberg stock options can go up a quarter of a point. That's the truth of it, man. It's you know it, it, owning your own business, fine. Being an employee, different story. I'm sorry. You know what I could see you doing? What? You would be a good summer camp counselor. <laughs> How did you get to that? Please walk me, connect those dots for me, please. Well, I think you would be the kind of person that could play guitar around a campfire, sing Kumbaya. That's John. You, could, you do you have a, did you ever have, or have you ever been interested in owning a VW bus? No. <laughs> oh, you gotta sure. listen to, you gotta listen to last week's episode. I think you'll appreciate it. It's John and the band uh, touring around in their, their teen years in a busted up old van. 
Could they see in front of them, or was there too much smoke? Smoke in a different way. Smoke because their car was halfway on fire on the interstate. Oh, so it wasn't those left-handed cigarettes. (laughs) (laughs) We had talked in previous episodes about you getting into meditation. Now, do you feel like when you are in, you know, a, a good rhythm with meditation, you don't think as obsessively about work or your personal life? Does that really help you? Yes, in the sense that it's not just about when you're meditating, your mind's clear. Um, You're getting rid of all these things in your head, but it's about being observant of yourself, being mindful. And the more mindful you are, the more you're going to recognize the issues that we're talking about here. So, yes, it's very helpful. We're going to get into that a bit more uh, in the second half of the show. So I guess a bit of a precursor. But, yeah, I totally do. No, that's great. Uh, that's that's something that I could use. So maybe I'll be able to use you as an inspiration for meditation. I'm pretty inspirational. You are, a lot of people uh, want to be like Not only are you me. inspirational, <laughs> you should be a motivational speaker. Oh, God. Can you imagine? Your, We're all just going to die at some point for the cost of lumber. How does that make you feel, people? <laughs> Is that from? That's, that's me being you. What? When have I ever been doom and gloom saying we're all going to die? Where's lumber come from? Well, because you had talked about lumber earlier in the episode. Why? Because lumber can go down like a... Lumberg. Oh, lumber. Have you ever seen Office Space? I did, but I don't know that you said lumberg. Okay, well. I don't think I'm doom and gloom. I I think I'm opinionated on the topics that we talk about here because, I mean, if I wasn't, we wouldn't be doing the podcast, right? So I don't think I'm doom and gloom about it, though. How do you feel about Russia? Oh, man, I don't want to get into that. (laughs) I feel bad about it. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. Now, I know Andy and I aren't the only two people with control issues out there. So let's spend a little time thinking about our relationship with control. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, let's talk about the two sides of the coin, how we feel more in control, but also how we dial it back when it becomes a problem in and of itself. Control. Now I'm all grown up. You sing control. Boop, boop, boop. It's Janet Jackson, brother. Every episode you gotta sing. It's, I mean, I guess it's part of your, it's part of your thing. It's your shtick. Mm -hmm. It's my gimmick. Yeah. So just going to qualify this half of the show like I did the first half. A lot of what we've been talking about, a lot of what we will be talking about, kind of halfway feasibly walks the line with the topic of OCD. And before anything else... I want to be very clear, we are by no means qualified to talk about OCD, how to know if you have it, how to address it. If any of these things really hit home for you, and I hope our discussion's helpful, but please clearly seek advice from someone who's actually qualified instead of us. So You down with OCD? Yeah, you know me. Who's down with oh, OCD? Oh, that is horrible. That was horrible. I'm keeping it, but that was horrible. <laughs> All right. So, we feel like we have control issues. What do we do? I want to rip off Pirates of the Caribbean for a minute. and I don't even know when that movie came. That was also an old movie. Not as old as Office Space. Yeah, about 07, 07, 08-ish, right? There's a line in that movie that I've remembered because I like it for its, I guess, truth and simplicity. And it's when Jack Sparrow says, the only rules that matter are these, what a man can do and what a man can't do. Regender that quote so it works for you personally. And I think it's a sound concept. 
right? So think about all the things outside of your control that are spinning around in your brain. So on the bigger end, that might be your word about the economy and what it means for your job and your company. On the smaller end, maybe it's there's a jerk who cut you off in traffic this morning. Either way, let's take all the stuff going on and bucket it into two groups. So all these sources of anxiety, all these sources of overthinking, there are things that are within our sphere of control and there are things that are not. And the goal is what can we focus on and what can we let go of? Using those same examples, I can't control if my company goes under. I can't control if they have a big layoff and I'm included in it. But what I can do is build up my skill set, expand my network. I can be ready to face whatever issues do come my way. I can't make Philly drivers suck less, but I can make sure that at least I'm driving safely and that I'm controlling any road rage that I have. So I think that's a really important thing to do is stop and think, what can I actually control? What can I do something about? Andy, in your case, you know, you got sick with COVID. You couldn't control how long your symptoms were any more than I could. What you can control, you already do and quite well, is you eat healthy, you exercise, and, and you take care of yourself physically. And that's that's as much as you can do, right? So why let anything else fluster you about your health? Right. And to touch on that, we had spoken in previous episodes about working from home. And, um, you know, for me, it, it was awful for like the first year and change, but it felt really good. I remember I was, it was a moment I was on vacation and I was poolside and I said, you know what? There's nothing I can do about this. So I might as well just go with the flow. It's a moment of clarity. Yeah, it was a, it was a nice epiphany. moment of clarity. It was, it was an epiphany. So um, it's really helped me because I can tell you, I was like white knuckling it for over a year working from home. And, and I just realized that this isn't going to do me any good. The company's not going to open up the office just for me. So I can either adapt and be okay with it or not adapt and have it drive me absolutely bonkers. You know, I chose the adapt, the adapting piece of it. Now, the other side of this, how do I really separate these things out effectively? Andy, I'm glad you mentioned in the first half about mindfulness and meditation, because I think that is a really powerful practice. Don't want to repeat everything I said at the beginning, because it will just be duplicative. But the whole idea of meditating is to be mindful of what you have going on, to really analyze your own feelings about things, to, to figure out how you feel about what you have going on. Have I ever told you the whole story of the two guys chopping wood so you can chop it faster? No. I use this in trainings a lot. The idea is you have two guys who get in a competition, see who can chop down the most wood. First guy says, man, I'm going to go as fast as I can. I'm going to hit it hard. I'm not stopping until it's sunset, right? And he's chopping and chopping and chopping. He looks over and sees the other guy is just sitting on the stump of the first tree he chops, just sharpening his axe, oiling it, taking a break. Laughs at him, says there's no way he's winning this competition. End of the day, it's not that guy who was chopping away that one. It's the other guy. And he says, how did you beat me? I don't understand. And the idea is, hey, as you're chopping, your axe is getting dull. It's getting pitted. You're getting tired. So even though you're constantly moving, constantly acting, you're slowing down. You're being less efficient. I sharpen my axe. As I'm sharpening it, I'm taking a break. I'm getting rested. So I have the longevity from doing that. And I think that's a really important thing. If we never stop to sharpen our axe, we're missing what's going on. We're missing the signs in our own brain telling us, hey, you're not in the control you think you are. Let's take a step back. Let's analyze the situation, right? If you're always just going, you're never thinking about where you're going. 
I think that that's uh, great sound advice. And what I would encourage anybody to do, since we do have a community here at the Big Balance Podcast, a worldwide community, as a matter of fact, anybody can comment on whichever platform that they listen to us on or even tweet us about some things that they do when they feel like they're tightening their grip too much and they just need to let go. So we're talking about how to be in control, how to figure out the best ways to be in control. But like we said at the beginning, having too much control or feeling like you need too much control can itself be an issue. So how do we know when we've gone too far? When you're so focused on being in control, you become controlling. And I know that sounds like an obvious statement, but I don't know that people necessarily always connect those dots. To kind of say what I mean, I'm going to make another call out to another old episode from last September, which is your coworkers aren't jerks. And back then I told a story of how essentially I was a crappy coworker because I was so preoccupied with my own stuff that I didn't really stop to recognize what anybody else had going on. I wanted to be in control and I would get kind of hostile towards anyone else who tried to do things differently than me. And that's not really a good way to build relationships, right? No, not at all. Something that actually helps me, put yourself in somebody else's shoes, you never know what they're going through. Like you're talking about somebody that's cutting you off in traffic. Well, who knows what happened? They could have had a family tragedy and they weren't paying attention. Usually most of those things aren't done to be spiteful. Most people aren't jerks regardless of what you see on the news. So I think it's it's always a good idea to step back and just say, okay, listen, before I go and load on somebody, what's on their plate? I always think that we want to talk about mindfulness. And I guess in a sense, that is mindfulness, right? To be able to understand that, hey, I'm not in this person's shoes. I don't know what kind of morning, day, afternoon, previous night that they had. Rather than jumping on said person, take a step back and then say what you have to say. I guess it's uh, the bees with honey versus vinegar, right? Is vinegar the, the one that you use? You get more bees with honey than you do with vinegar? I think it's flies. Flies, flies with bees honey. Are, bees already have honey. What do bees need more honey for? They no, got a high a full point. of honey already. Something else I wanted to point out too. When Actually, bees get... might prefer the vinegar because they don't have any vinegar. They have honey. Oh my God. See? Hey, listen. Right? You, you perform a lot. You perform a lot of mental gymnastics, so... <laughs> No wonder why you're no wonder why sometimes you're mentally exhausted. So what I was gonna say too, um, you were talking about different signs that we have when we're in that moment of just tightening our grip and having control. I know with me, I'll get like a bit of a headache, I'll start to sweat, you know, you physically feel that like adrenaline rush. You know, I, I, I have it with um some of my family and their views on the world where they, it just bothers me so much. Well, that's, that's exactly the point, right? With your family, going back to the notion that there's things a man can do and things a man can't do. You can't control your family's views necessarily. You can try to reason your case, right? Try to say why you believe what you believe is true, but you can't stop them from thinking what they want. That's the big difference. That's you can't control it. Don't let it bother you. Yeah, that's sound advice. I give that advice to Julia. You know, yeah. Start taking it. No, and, and I, I think kind of as an extension of that, talking about the physical manifestations of stress from your own control issue. I think I've said this to you in the past where, you know, holding on to anger is like holding on to a hot coal. You're only burning yourself. That definitely comes into play. But when we look at these physical manifestations of our control-related anxiety, 
you got to stop and take a step back and say, what's this doing for me? Right. The only thing you're doing is being less effective in your own life because you're so preoccupied with things that you can't control in the first place. It's true. It's true. That's going to be it for us today. As always, I hope anybody out there listening got some good insights. If you're feeling like you have some control issues, some things you can do about it. Otherwise, we'll talk to you next week. And thanks for tuning in. Shaka Khan. Jesus. Why would you end that? Thanks for listening to the Big Balance Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and drop us a comment while you're there. Until next time. We're all just going to die at some point for the cost of lumber. How does that make you feel, people?